It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. We are having a few little technical issues here, but aside from that, we're ready to go. Um... By the way, happy Pi Day for any of you who this may be your birthday, March 14th. <laughs> what I think is so hilarious, we have to have a Pi Day? <laughs> oh, 3.14, never repetend. Anyway, the, the things that I looked at, I looked at some of the things of sex in the news, and one of the things that stood out for me is, yet again, accusations of sexual assault on campuses. And this one, I had touched on it before, is about it at Yale and the basketball team. The uh, the captain and, you know, their highest scoring, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's now gotten down to he's now going to file for, you know, wrongful, you know, expulsion. And, you know, the thing that bo- this boils down to is someone's thinking one thing, someone's thinking another thing. And yet, if there are, and I know there's times when it is rampant with um, using rohypnol, uh, date rape drugs, and I'm talking about from universities here and colleges here in California, yet what I look at is, you know, this is something that as a result of one decision, there goes, you know, there's a whole battery of things that occur that probably did not have to happen um, if someone had used a little better judgment. And, I mean, I know women who had their entire reputation destroyed in high school and in college because of one person's actions. And to say that it impacted them is an understatement. Um, Or, you know, having been attacked in school, that's, you know, we've, we're all from the same place. Let's be honest here. We're all energy. That's what we are. And being kind and being respectful of one another is something that is so crucial in the area of relationships and in the area of sexuality. So I looked at that and I was like, oh dear, this is, this is sad. Here's this guy and he's thinking it's okay. Apparently it was four times. I don't know. I was not there. But what I do know is that to say that this will impact him for the rest of his life is an understatement. The other thing, uh, last week there was an article apparently. Dr. Helen Fisher is a cultural anthropologist and has done 
a, a huge number of really terrific books and is redoing one of her classics. I believe it's the 25th anniversary of uh, one of her books. Well, unfortunately, what ended up happening is she made a statement on polyamory and on open relationships saying it was a New York, I think it was a New York Times uh, interview that was being done, and it was in a response to the New York Times did a story on secrets to an open marriage according to Monique. And Monique is the um, Oscar-winning actress, and her husband is Sidney Hicks. Now, they have, you know, an, they're a straight couple who aren't in the closet about their open marriage, and, you know, they're a famous straight couple and an openly open marriage. Now, what Helen Fisher said is she was being asked to comment on it, and she said she just somehow knows these things never end up working long term. Well, I have to say that perhaps with her bias in that area, it seemed like it was not going to be something that would work long term. But I have to say that I know plenty of people who have open relationships, open marriages. Sometimes they're open, sometimes they're closed. And uh, Dan Savage was the one who he went, you know, a bit sideways on it and saying that, you know, he has been, you know, there, there is actual data showing, exact, you know, from, for example, at Indiana University saying that there are, there are plenty of people, you know, that non-monogamous couples, you know, are secretly miserable is, is not the case. And actually for women, and this is in the uh, Indiana University School of Public Health, their 2014 natural, national survey of sexual health and behavior, for women, more women in monogamous relationships say that they are happy in their relationships and sexually satisfied. But that doesn't mean none are happy or satisfied, as plenty are. The other thing we have to look at is that when people are doing a survey about these things, they often will answer the way they think people want them to answer. And when I speak with friends of mine who are in open relationships, open marriages, as an example, for Dan uh, Savage, he and his partner Terry, they have been married for 17 years. They just celebrated their, pardon me, they just celebrated their 21st anniversary. And their marriage has been open for 17 years. And so, you know, this is one example. I use another example of Charlie Glickman, uh, another individual who he has been uh, with his partner for 24 years. They have been married for 20, and it has been non-monogamous the entire time. Now, here's what I think people have to have an awareness of. There are, there are different ways that people will define things that are open, that are, it isn't something, that, this is a negotiated and it's an understood behavior within the couple. I know people who, that they had a couple that they did things with and they were really happy with it until the one day the woman walked by the hallway and saw what for her was a very... Um, attachment form of behavior. The woman was resting her 
cheek on her husband's chest, um, you know, postcoitally. And that was when she said, that's it. We can't. That then put things at a different risk, and it wasn't the way that she had felt that their open relationship had been. But they had been open the entire time when they were dating and after they'd gotten married. Now, the other thing that sort of flies in the face of why, you know, Dr. Fisher, and I adore Helen Fisher's work. I have to tell you that. But she says that there's, you know, the romantic area of the brain is located near parts of the brain that orchestrate thirst and hunger, and that's why there's no such thing as as a successful open marriage. Well, she doesn't have the data to say that. And one of the things that happens is we've got, in this day and age, you can't be making statements that you can't back up with some data or can't back up with other anecdotal information, particularly when you're talking about brain chemistry and when you're talking about how people behave relative to sexuality. So there's, you know, there are people in my field who they would, you know, say, depending on what their own experiences are, that open marriages don't work. Well, I'll tell you, there are a lot more of them now and a lot more interplay with different partners whether it's polyamory, meaning you love and are with two different people or more. It could be a triad, could be three, could be a quad, could be four. Yet what it really is is you are clear and you are honest about what's going on. And I've had people who have told me, look, the real thing of the the difficulty of being in an open relationship is the jealousies do get, you know, those little buttons do get pushed. And they also end up not, you know, it's, they have to do a lot of planning. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. So I, I see more young people who are, let's say, in early 20s who are looking at a relationship as, okay, this is here, but I'm open that I'm also going to be over here. And they are clear about it. And if they do go into a committed relationship, the person knows about it. So, you know, if someone feels that they only can be with one person, that's their choice. But there's also another final um, comment that from uh, Dr. David Lay to Helen Steph, and he, said, he actually says, I enjoy Helen Steph, but thinks she's blind to her cultural bias on this one says Dr. David Lay. I'd be interested in whether she truly thinks monogamy works long-term given divorce and infidelity rates. And, I mean, because we know that that is, and particularly if it's a second marriage, there are even higher rates of divorce. And the valuable thing about modern relationships is the ability for an individual to negotiate a relationship based on each partner's strengths, needs, desires and deficits. So before, you know, we automatically assume what works in my hometown has to work in someone else's hometown, it's just simply not the case. And here's an example of a very uh, book, a very um, educated and terrific cultural anthropologist not really looking at the, you know, the data to support making that kind of a statement. So when we come back, I'm going to be talking about body image 
I will be including, this will be my only political section here. It'll be um, with uh, Obama and Misty Copeland. And there's some things there that I think are really powerful messages for women, for any woman, but also of, you know, a father of two young girls. So please stay with me. I will be back after this. And then I'm going to talk about a book called Anatomy of a Calling, which I think will be of interest to a lot of you. Please stay with me. I will be right back. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Padgett. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Day has been celebrated in different ways around the world. In Italy, one tradition suggests that the first man a single woman sees on Valentine's Day was the man she would eventually marry. What's a word for the first person you see after you leave the house in the morning? A qual tag. In South Africa, some women pin the name of their love interest on their shirt sleeves, following an ancient Roman tradition known as Lupercalia. This is how South African men learn of their secret admirers. In America, it is widely believed that if women don't receive a gift of candy, flowers, or a card from their guy on Valentine's Day, he's probably going to get dumped. This is usually the cause for a charrette or an 11th hour effort by men to buy their woman a Valentine's gift. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Military Network Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, bringing you dynamic interviews each week and fresh information of value to improve your outlook, actions, and encourage each member of your family. From service members, wounded warriors, veterans, military spouses, caregivers, parents, and children, everyone serves, and together we can make a difference. You can find our show at our website, www.militarynetworkradio.com and at toginetradio.com forward slash military network radio. Everyone serves and together we make a difference. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Another thing that I was looking at, as I said before the break, uh, an interview, a Time magazine interview where Misty Copeland and Barack Obama are interviewing one another. And they both were talking about how, and Obama was saying that for himself, given that he is, you know, the father of two daughters, he says, I see so clearly how women are given so many different messages of they have to look this way or look that way or the pressure to be, you know, X, Y, Z or have teeth that look like this. or And 
the one, and for Misty Copeland, she's asking him, you know, how, what do you do when you get to the top of your game? Which, hey, you know, given that she's the first, you know, prima ballerina, um, African-American prima ballerina for the uh, uh, New York, I think New York Ballet? But, I mean, and she didn't go into dancing until she was 13. Yet, I think when we have people that you can watch, and I love the fact that Oprah is just who Oprah is. She's her, she likes what she looks like, she's comfortable with it, and actually, I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine who was a producer uh, of major infomercials, and he said, you know, by the way, he said, she actually, her ratings are actually higher when she when Oprah is heavier than when she's thinner. And I'm like, you, like, seriously? But he said that it's like those, that's who people identify with, that body look. And then there was a woman, there was an ad, and I was just trying to find it here, where he, um, she, a young woman, is in a plus-size lingerie, and it's been banned by all kinds of, you know, different stores. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like she's wearing a freaking bathing suit, and they're banning it. They're saying that this is inappropriate. I, I, I'm like, get over your bad selves. I mean, Sports Illustrated finally stepped up the plate and put someone on the cover who actually looks like what a good percentage of North Americans look like, which we need to, you know, from a health standpoint, we need to be aware that we're not eating the foods, the best foods for us, but some of us are just larger. That's just it. I mean, like, I'm never going to be a size two. It's just not going to happen. Yet, one thing I learned growing up, because I'm an identical twin, I learned very early that who was attracted to me, I mean, I mean, from the time I was like five or six, I had different friends and boys would be attracted to me that weren't attracted to my twin sister. And I knew that it couldn't be solely what I looked like, right, because we're identical. I knew it couldn't be because of, you know, we came from a you know, different family because we were in the same family, I knew it wasn't, you know, that she was dressing differently than I was because my mother, you know, used to, you know, kind of buy two or three of everything because we also had a younger sister. And yet what I knew is that the, each person has something unique that makes them appealing. And I'm going to talk um, after we go over this. There's a, a organization that I'm part of called Your Tango, and they've got some pretty, actually some pretty funny uh, headlines. And I was going to go over them and look and see, hmm, how much do I agree with, you know, the stuff that they're that they're putting out there? Because there's times when I read some of the things that, you know, so-called experts are putting up on your tango, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That, that's absolute, you know, absolute nonsense. So anyway, the thing that I liked about the Obama Misty Copeland is that they actually talk about, hey, this we need to have role models who are tall, who are curvaceous. This is what women look like, period. So thank you to them, and that will be a Time Magazine article, okay? Now, how do you talk about someone who just lost the love of their lives? And 
well, they didn't lose, they lost them 10 years ago, when Ronald Reagan died 10, 12 years ago. And you watched when they were in the White House, the Secret Service, or the you know, people that were said, they would call how Nancy looked at him, the look. And it was a look of such complete adoration. And, just, and she was absolutely smitten with him from when she first met him, when they were, he was Screen Actors Guild and you know, she was doing something. But also, by the way, just a little bit of trivia. You know the one question? Um, you probably are aware that Trivial Pursuit was a game and a company that got started in Canada. Well, when it came into the U.S., there was one question that was removed from the U.S. version of Trivial Pursuit, and it was, who was, I think, who was three months pregnant or four months pregnant when they married Ronald Reagan? You got it, Nancy Davis. Um, but what her daughter said, what Patty Davis said at her funeral, was, you know, it was like they were an island unto themselves. And that's the kind of love and connection that most people just dream of. And I have to tell you, I have the ability with my books, with my five international best-selling books, with my seminar series, to be able to give people the knowledge and the confidence to be able to become great lovers. I know I can do that. Virtually anyone can become a great lover with the information I can supply for them. And that's what people want. They want to be loved for who they are, and they want to have someone who gets them as they are, period. I've sat with some of the wealthiest men in the world, and you know, I, you know, my boyfriend's comment was, look, Here's the deal. People want to love and they want to be loved. And that's, that is, and it makes sense because that's the source of where we all come from. If we think of ourselves as energetic beings coming from a source of love, no wonder we're looking for that. And I have to tell you, we have a world that is changing dramatically. More people are saying, you know what, I want to have a peaceful existence. I want to have a world where I can raise my children and not be worried about things, a world where I am safe, or but there's peace. Because when you are in a peaceful situation, when you're in a place where you don't have to worry about money, when you're not stressed about things, when you don't have to, you know, when there isn't all of this upset, you are then able to create from love. You are able to be creative, and that's our gift. So when you see couples when they're you know together and they're like, wow, this you know this just works. As an example, here in Hollywood, one of the best couples that I've seen to support one another, do things with, for one another, are Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks, and they are you know producing partners. As a matter of fact, one of their Productions, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Apparently, Rita Wilson walked into it as a one-woman show and said, oh, my God, this is the best thing they'd ever seen. Ended up producing it for $5 million, and it has gone on to make, you know, like $328 million. It's the 
largest grossing rom-com movie, period. Well, speaking of love and opportunity and things like that, we have My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 is going to be releasing soon. And I have to admit, they uh, it, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And why am I drawing a blank on the woman's name? I, I know her as Tula, for heaven's sakes. But she said, you know, what happened is she, as an actress, was told by an agent, look, you're not pretty enough to be a leading, you know, to be a leading lady, and you're not fat enough to be a character actress. You know, going back to the Obama and uh, Missy Copeland, Misty Copeland uh, comment, yet here she said, tag with that, then I'm going to write my own play. So she wrote from her own Greek background, and that is why it took 14 years before she did the thing, the next version, because people fell in love with uh, Tula Portokalos and Ian Miller, which is how her dad says his name. And because the end of that movie, as you probably remember, she has a baby. And But what she said is, I couldn't write from... The, the point of being a mother. I couldn't write about family because I wasn't. But two years ago, she, that I believe it was they adopted their baby. And she said then, yeah, it's part of me, her name is Nia uh, Vardalos. Then she could write from that. And the, what people want, they love movies that make them feel good, Right? It's that thing where you go and it's like, oh, that is so sweet. That's why people want to have, they, you know, probably best not to fashion your life after rom-com movies. That's what many times people think, oh, I'm going to have things happen like in The Notebook or in, you know, uh, Notting Hill or whatever it may be. Yet those things are fantasies. The real world about relationship requires you to focus, and you can't really create something within two hours. Some people think you might be able to. But what you do have is for most people, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to going over the your tango things. One of them says, um, you can marry a man. You know you should marry a man when he has something about knowing how to set a table. Hello? Is that a restaurant skill or is that a personal skill? I don't know. I'm going to have to look at it when, when we go to this next break. But... What I like about, we have enough things in this world that will tell us that the world's coming apart. And yet there are things about this world that are coming apart and need to come apart. But there's also other things that really bring, they're they're coming in and I'm telling you, I know if I tell you these things you'll think, uh, she's probably, you know, what type of stuff is she, you know, drinking or smoking? I'm not joking. This world is going towards one of the best things that we have wanted to have on this planet for millennia. We're talking 13,000 years. And we are all very lucky to be here at this time to do it. And it's something that every person, when you think of where you want to be, think of the most marvelous place you'd like to be. And I'm going to talk about that when I talk about the anatomy of a calling by Lisa Rankin when we come back um, after this break. Because... What that looks at is, yeah, you may think, oh, well, I can only do 
this because I have to have this job or I have this debt or I have this. And, you know, there's no question that there's that kind of a, a, a world and a mentality out there. But that, too, is changing. And we are going to have the ability to create, yeah, we'll have something for ourselves, no question, but then we're also going to be able to help others and do the things we like to do. Because for most people, by the time they have more money than, than they need, the next thing they want to do is, who can I help? What can I support? And I already have a dream board full of that. I already have lists of things, but we'll talk about that when we come back. And I'm sending Nancy Reagan with heart and love to Ronnie because that's exactly where she wanted to be. So please stay with me. I'll be right back, and I'll talk about Anatomy of a Calling and your Tango article. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Many of us look forward to the holidays all year long. It is such a magnificent opportunity to get together with family and friends and decorate and give gifts and eat the most delicious food. But numerous people dread the holidays. As far as their weight, health, and exercise are concerned, they know they'll have so much temptation and chances to derail their healthy lifestyle. Many just resolve themselves into thinking that gaining weight over the holidays is a fact and there is no way to avoid it. But it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to embrace the holidays. Have a plan before you go to any dinner, party, or event and decide what you're going to eat and stick with it. Yes, there will be temptation, but you can overcome it. Stay with the plan and reap the benefits. You can contact us at fitnessminute at annettehammond.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. A man- 
Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Okay. Ta-da! Okay, here's the Uritango article that I was talking about before the break. Marry the man who wants to set the table right. And I'm, you know, one of the things, and I, and I like the, the comments that she's making, is that many times women will often think, well, I'm the only one who knows how to do this. And we can't infantilize the people we expect to be our equal partners, you know. It's like he, you know, if someone is setting the table and they're putting out different spoons or, you know, if he's got an idea of how it should be, let him do it, you know. That's, and, I'm, and it's something that, what, you know, what she's saying is that go with the guy that gets the spoons right. Go with the guy that wants to get the spoons right. Don't be okay with the guy who gives you a fork to eat your soup with, okay? Now, admittedly, I would agree with that one. Now, each of us, and this is the, you know, the comment about when you are putting together any type of program that you're doing with a partner, whether you, know, you moved in together, whatever it is you might be doing, you have to create and start from stage one, which is, Look at where you're going to put things, um, you know, where are you going to, how are you going to organize the kitchen? Do both of you like to cook? Do both of you like to, you know, open the wine, serve the wine, whatever it may be. But the thing that you got is it's like creating history together. That's what all of this stuff is. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I like the setting the table one, but what I really like also is, People who cook together, that is a, and that is something that is so fun, and it's a reason why, you know, when you see couples cooking together, it is something that you create, you make your choices, um, you know, and here's the other thing. I remember reading, when I, when I lived and worked in New York, I, first off, I was a student, and then, you know, I lived there, and one of the things I remember reading is a woman who was a top ad executive, and she was talking about dealing with having her children, having someone who looks after her children in the majority of the day uh, when they come home from school and getting the meals prepared because she often isn't home until later. And she said, you know, I realize that someone is not doing it exactly the way that I would do it, and she said, and I had to be okay with that. What is happening is that it is getting done, It is being done in a way that is good for them. It may not be exactly the way I would do it, yet it is being done. And she said, I had to be happy with that. And that's what I made, you know, my peace with. So even if, you know, the things are, let's say someone comes in and they make a habit of dropping things on the floor. Well, that's just not okay because that's, excuse me, that is just inconsiderate. So, and that's also, don't condone the behavior. If someone does something you don't like, make a point of, you know, pointing it out. Hey, and if you do something, own it. You know, it's not, 
I, I remember the one thing the person said, everyone wants to go to bed with Gilda, and then they wake up with me. So people go to bed with, you know, this fantasy, and then they wake up with someone else. So I'm going to look here at another Your Tango article and see what, uh, what pearls of wisdom they, uh, they have given us <laughs> today. I, there are times when you get the, sometimes you'll get the person, oh, here we go. Here's, if you can't answer these six questions, you're not ready to tie the knot. So let's see if we agree with the questions that they're going to ask you. My first, okay, I haven't looked at it yet. I would say the six questions you have to know is, do you know what both of your financial situations are? Do you know how, if there's going to be children, is there going to be an issue with religion? Can you answer those and, and know what's going forward? Do you know what your next year, two, five years are going to look like, where you'd like to live, what you'd like to do? Have you made, or is there a, here's the thing that often happens that I find comes out. There's hidden agendas that pop up, and people go, oh, I didn't realize that's what they were actually, that's what they were talking about. Like, I know one woman who was dating <clears throat> an individual very seriously, and he was Armenian, lived next door to his parents, and she, fortunately, was also Armenian and knew that likely that is what their life was going to be like. Now, if that had been me, I would have been hightailing it in the opposite direction. So we've got the money. We've got the, um, do you know what you want to be doing for your career, for your life? Talking about children, talking about religion. Uh, do you have, you know, are you clear about any type of conflict that there might be, <clears throat> excuse me, for the two of you relative to, you know, an in-law or something? And then you also want to know, do you know about this person's health? How healthy are they? Do they have a hidden... You know, are they a closet drinker? Uh, do they have something that could be an issue um, from a, uh, if you have children, might there be uh, a genetic predisposition for something? I, can't, I know of at least two women who did not find out that their husbands had a family history, a schizophrenia, actually three women, schizophrenia until after they had their first child. No, actually four. And they... So these women, in, and, you know, they love their children, but if they'd known that, there's no way. So let's see what we've got here as the question, okay? Here we go. Ah, so you think you're feeling ready for this. Okay. Do you see yourself creating a life with this person? Okay. They're saying about go beyond the love you feel, beyond them being sweet or loving or amazing, but do you really see yourself with this person? So, do you have similar visions or values about the future? Okay. I kind of sort of asked that. What is, it, what is it like when you fight? Do you, does one of you go silent? Does one of you come from a loud family? Do you say, okay, let's just get this out on the table? I have wa watched one individual that he was one of those blow-up people, and it was kind of the thing, it was like, if I'd been around that door, you would have seen the doorknob. You would not have seen me because I can't be around that. It's just it's too jarring. It's too upsetting for me. 
However, this man ended up marrying the perfect person where they both would just turn around and just, and believe you me, just because someone's yelling at someone does not mean that their relationship has a problem. It just means that's how they express themselves. As, you know, if anyone has watched Married with Children, you've watched this. You've watched, the unfortunately, in the second season, the uh, one uh, individual who, Ryan, who would just scream. I mean, he was anger management, baby. He, this was not a, it was not a good sign. And all she, she was like, be like shocked that that's how he behaved. So, okay, one of the questions I do agree with them, do you both want kids? You know? And if you do or you don't, and you have to be honest about when you might want them as well. I, uh, again, the show, it's called Arranged. And, you know, he said straight up, I want to be able to have children. And I want to have children now. I don't want to wait five years. And, she was a little more like, oh, I don't know. But they did agree on that, and that was in their actual marriage ceremony. So do you, do you, and why do you want to get married? Is it because it's a sacrament for you? This is what they're saying. Is it because there you feel like you'll be you two against the world, or is it because there's another ulterior motive behind it? And that's what I will often find is that sometimes that there will be, they'll say I want a partner, but what they really want is they want to be a parent. But in order to be a parent, they have to be married. Culturally, they have to be married. So it's like the first person that comes along that fits that order, boom, done deal. So, you know, you got to get, I, I would agree with that one. You have got to be clear about it. Now, Here's the thing. They've got this question of, do you both want kids? And then it says, are you willing to create a family? Well, is not create a family the same thing as have kids, right? Or is it because one of you had children in the first place? Or or is it that family is the thing you wish to create? Because sometimes people don't really think of family as being the most important thing. They think of them and their job and whatever. And some of these questions, I think, they're all kind of like the same question. Are you willing to love this person for your entire lifetime? Well, sometimes you know that and sometimes you don't. I can use an example of an individual I know whose husband was jailed and she was, to put it mildly, a little shocked that this had happened and yet what she, they went through a divorce. Now, would they get back together again? Maybe, maybe not. And yet, here's the thing. She is more than willing to take a, you know, take a second look at something to see whether or not, you know what, I think this, uh, this has another future for me. Again, it's whether or not you have, whether or not you have a real reason to be with this person. You know, they've already shared a lot of stuff, but, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the, the way out and they don't really want to have to come back together again. Maybe yes, 
Maybe no. So when I look at the and the next one I'm going to talk about is three hard lessons I've learned by cheating. Well, you know, if there's one thing I, I I'm going to just answer this one myself. For the people that I know who have cheated, one of the things that often happens, there's two things behind cheating. One is they don't want to get caught, and two is they do want to get caught. So talking about the not wanting to get caught, they want to be able to do whatever they want to do, and there's no problem. Now, if it's an open relationship and it's discussed, then it's not cheating, right? However, if it is cheating in an assumption of a relationship where you are committed to one another, then what I've seen happen is someone cheats so that the other person does the breaking up. And that is so freaking spineless. It's kind of like, get over your bad self. The other thing that you find out when you cheat on someone, and I watched a young woman go through this. She was madly, madly in love with this young man. They got married. And, I mean, she could not have loved him more if, you know, the sun had, you know, rose and set over this guy. And then he cheated on her with another woman at work. Well, at that moment, the love that she felt for him changed dramatically. And she went into a grief and just like literally her entire world fell apart. And as a result of that, she will never love him with that honesty and with that intensity ever again. And I told his father, because his father and I were working together, and I said, let me tell you something. He has just ruined the best type of love he ever could have had, and he doesn't even know it. He has no clue. So, you know, the the hard lesson here is you're never going to get that feeling back again. The other thing is you might have the predilection and the thing of, well, you know what, I'm going to do it again, and there goes your relationship. But the real thing is that the hard lesson is you have to look at why, why would you do it? Because what I've seen with long-term relationships, the best long-term relationships stay together because the couples respect one another. It's not because love, 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 lovey, smiley, smiley. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success, more stability, more happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. This is the Tokenet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. 
congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Here's another one, and then I'm going to go right into Lisa Rankin's The Anatomy of a Calling. It's the, the rules, the four rules for my husband's friendship with female friends. And, you know, the one thing that I have a number of male friends, and they're friends, truly. They're not people, you know, some of them are old boyfriends. But the thing is, for me is that when it's done, you know, when the relationship, that part of the relationship is over, it's over. It's not, I'm not going to be, you know, um, going back to them. I've never done that. I never would. But, you know, I would agree with, you know, make sure that there's no double standard here. So, you know, it's like, it's not like she, he can't do it, and but she can or that it's taboo for him to have friends with, you know, women who are just friends. I mean, we think about it, you spend so much time in your life working with other people of the opposite sex. Sometimes you're going to have, you know, friends there who you, you know, really, you like, you enjoy their company, yet, you know, what you also have to do is you have to agree on appropriate boundaries. And, you know, sometimes you might get approached by someone and you can just say, you know what, um, this is, uh, we're not going to, you know, we're, the friendship is, this is the only place we can have conversations about things. And it isn't that, but he, you know, you just need to know that boundaries about conversations are about what you do. And that, again, that respect thing, your partner comes first. So you also have to give them and expect the, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt, because it isn't, you know, one of, you know, here's this woman talking about one of my husband's closest friends is a woman, you know, and I also have some guy friends, and, you know, I trust that, you know, this, my husband's not going to cheat with this woman, and I know I'm not going to cheat with these guys. So what you're going to also do is include one another in friendship. I mean, that's just how it is. And... You know, what, what happens What happens when it does become more than just friends? Well, it's, 
it's difficult if you know someone has a history of cheating. I was not really aware of that myself in my marriage, but I became very aware of it very quickly. And to say that it was a tough lesson, mm, understatement, okay? So, anyways, here are some of the questions that I get from people. And one of them uh, I'll just use is, you know, I'm wanting to, you know, um, reawaken my sexuality. I'm coming back into the dating world. What is the best thing I need to know? How can I, you know, how can I find someone? I mean, it's still really a lot of the stuff is still you can meet. There's there's meetups all over the place. Get on meetup. Go and see people in, you know, meetups in your city. That way, it's people of like mind going to see things. And be aware that the number one reason you're around people is because you have the same interests. If the only reason you're seeing or going somewhere is to try and find a spouse, don't do it, okay? Because you're going to come across as, I'm looking for something. That's unattractive. Um, the other thing is, take care of yourself. Now, you don't have to be in the world's best shape to attract someone. You just have to be you. And the more you that you are, the better your and the, the cleaner the person is who's going to be coming into your life. I think of, of two women I know who both were over 50 at the time. They both were heavy. They both were totally upfront about what their age was, um, their body, what they were interested in. And you know what? They both pulled in men who were absolutely crazy about them. They knew what they were interested in. They wanted someone who, one woman wanted someone who was in the same field as her. The other woman wanted someone who was, you know, her her equal in a men, men, you know the mentality area. He had lost his wife. He was a PhD. She was an MD, and it just clicked. And within months, they were engaged in getting married. And it was something that, so when you are being honest about who you are, the world opens up to you. So let's go on to this book here that I happen to have read um, last week. It's called The Anatomy of a Calling. And Lisa Rankin is an MD, and she did a book, What's Up Down There? Uh, questions You'd Only Ask Your OBGYN If She Was you know, Like One of Your Best Friends. Great book. And what she did is she put together all the questions that people would typically ask that they don't have a chance to ask their own MDs because, believe you me, MDs do not get training in the area of sexuality. They simply do not. So she wrote that book, and then she wrote another book, The Fear Cure. This is her third book. What I liked about this book is it really addressed the, for anyone who is going through, uh, uh, you know, changes in their lives, dramatic changes, whether it's career, whether it's personal, you know, whether it's relationships, and that, you know, she dedicated it to her husband, Matt, for unfailingly saying, who unfailingly said yes when I asked for permission to follow my heart. And they went through a lot of stuff, but what she looked at was she wanted to help heal the medical world because she had been so beaten up by what was happening in medicine as 
an OBGYN, she refers to this one night as, you know, her night of, you know, the biggest trauma. And she had four babies die in one night. And it was devastating for her. And she was so exhausted. It was like 36 hours. There wasn't a thing that she could have done, although at the time she was thinking, what's wrong with me? I should have saved these babies. It, and that was something that she kept carrying forward. But she also had a very artistic background, and she knew that she wanted to do something that helped people. So the art started the things in the area of, I'm going to support these women who are going to go through you know, pregnancy, we'll do a molding of it. But you know, she talks about how, and, and this is for anyone who's going through things, you've got, you've got to let love flow. You have to trust yourself. You have to go and know that there are going to be storms. You have to take that leap of faith. Trust that there's signs, and sometimes the signs aren't all that, you know, straightforward. I've had signs when I was doing my stuff where I was like, what? But what I'll tell you happens when you're looking at, for example, a relationship, um, love, sex, whatever it may be, you've got a whole, like you've got, if you've got Tinder going on, you've got a buffet of, my God, you couldn't get any more, swipe left, swipe you know, right, do whatever. But what happens when you make a decision all of those other opportunities that are off on the side of that, that huge continuum of choice, when you lob off those and you focus on one, when, then what happens is all of the opportunities, possibilities, potentials explode vertically. So look at this. You've got a horizontal choice of all of these things, this huge long death. Then let's say you just go straight in. You go, that's the one I'm choosing. At that moment, I'm telling you, Everything is going to explode because your focus is there. And then there will be things that are going to come out of the woodwork that are going to come out of goodness knows where that you never expected. So I'm looking forward to having Lissa on my show. I, I wanted to read this, get this under my belt. But it really is when you're going through a relationship, when you're wanting to change things in your sex life, when you're wanting to change things in your career – Something like this is a great little guidebook that has you look at things and go, oh, because what we also have is we also have that infamous chatter that tells us, you know, things aren't good. So any questions that you have, you can go to my website, loopadget.com. I have more tweaks and things to do to it. I'm going to be doing another little video today. I'm going to do another blog, a couple of blogs this week. So... Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a lovely rest of the day. And remember, the world is only getting better. Don't listen to the Western media. They're out of their minds. <laughs> Go and look online at people who are seeing things happening, and you are going to be so pleased with what comes forward. Take care and have a fabulous rest of the day. you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 